Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley, and each week I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon prep, and they will share some things with us that we did not hear in the sermon. The goal of the podcast is to ask things like, why did our church need to hear this message on Sunday? Or, why did you personally need to preach this message? The pastors will also share some practical next steps. We're glad you're here listening. Here's my conversation with Pastor Joey. Good afternoon, Joey. Hey, Claire, how are you? Fine. It's such a nice day outside. How can you not have joy? I mean, I know we should have joy regardless of the weather and our circumstance, mm-hmm. but it's pretty amazing. Let's It's pretty let's nice. I just got that. back from walking to the library to pick up a book, so it was nice. good. Yeah, that's good. You do that often? Um, sometimes. Most of the stuff right around here is walkable. Like You can walk to Target or Starbucks or the library or stuff like that. It was, what, a mile and a half round trip to the mm-hmm. library, so... Not bad. Yeah. Half an hour walk. Yeah, it sounds great. It's a good use of your time. Just get some get some sunshine. Enjoy the weather. Mm-hmm. So. I should have worn my short pants, though. Mm. A long you were pants. regretting yeah. that? I was regretting that a little bit. <laughs> okay, Joey, how many sermons left do you have to preach before you are on sabbatical? Oh, gosh. We, uh, we take off uh, 28 days and three hours and eight minutes from now. Where's that countdown? On your computer? No, I was just, I think we leave at 5.58, okay. four weeks from today. So okay. I was doing real quick math there. Okay. I saw you look at something. It was the yeah. clock. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at the clock. 2.50. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, um, so in I, that time, yeah, how many I sermons? Up, I am up one more time. Okay. Yeah. I think I am up a week after Mother's Day. So the 16th. Mm-hmm. And then on the 23rd, of course, we're doing the decommissioning. Mm-hmm. And the 24th, we fly. So... Um, it feels really weird. It feels like there's a ton to do, and also I have no idea what to do. Sure. Okay, I was ready. just going to ask you, you know, in high school, I feel like it's really common to have that senior slide where, like, second semester senior year, are you doing a whole lot? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. a little best, I don't know, a little gray. But then, um, you know, right before you get ready for a vacation, sometimes it's like you're amping up and you have a crazy amount to do. So where are you uh, more in that, like things are mellowing out and you're crossing things off your list and you have less to do, or are you maxed out trying to be able to get out of the country? Um, I think Jenna's feeling more on the maxed out side and I'm a little less on on that and I'm more on the yeah I'm crossing things off but I also think I'm crossing off stuff that maybe didn't really need to be done before we left and I haven't even tried to wrap my head around what does need to be done mm-hmm. so uh yes yesterday afternoon I mixed concrete for a fire pit which was totally not vital but also I've been wanting to do it for three years so yeah I wanted to get it done and it's done Mm-hmm. And I've got other house stuff I need to do, but like we got a new roof last week. That was a big one to check off the list. Yeah. Now I just have to, I was just looking at my stack. I have 22 books I want to bring with me. And that's probably not going to work. Oh, well, technically there's only 21 in the stack because you stole one of them. I did. I did. Yeah. I already looked through it also. I'm not ready to give it back, but I will mm. before you leave. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, 
let's just, I didn't know we'd end up here, but let's just quickly talk about sabbatical. Yeah, yeah. For a minute, if someone's listening and they're like, what in the what world, is going Joey? On here? Yes. Where is he going and why is he going? And I didn't know, I had no idea he was leaving. And okay, yeah. So, uh, let me do I can do a quick overview. Sure. So faith has a sabbatical policy. Our elders passed it like back in the nineties, I think is the the last time it was updated. And it's a great policy. It encourages regular rhythms of rest and spiritual renewal. So like we're actually as staff, like we're encouraged to take a day off every week um, to take a full day every quarter for just a prayer and silence retreat or for learning. Um, And as pastors we're encouraged every seven years or so to take off a certain number of weeks for a sabbatical. You can take it as early as say every four years and you could then sort of bank up if you wanted to time, but you can't take, we're not supposed to take more than I think three months at a time or something like that. So anyway, there's a policy saying like, this is a good and important thing. And um, so man, uh, almost a year ago, you were part of this, you were helping me apply for, Mm -hmm. Jenna and I apply for a grant with the Lilly Foundation here in town. And um, we applied for it June 1st. And then in October, we were told we got it. And so Lily is funding all of this. So everything's paid for by the Lily Foundation, which makes it even easier to take this sabbatical. So uh, Lily requires that they be 13 weeks long minimum. So we're taking a 13, roughly 14 week long sabbatical. Uh, We are following the life journey of a seventh century Benedictine monk named Willibrord. Uh, W-I-L-I-B-R-O-R-D, or maybe there's two L's, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Willibrord, I had not heard of him either, so if you've never heard of him, that's fine. Uh-huh. But I, I was only heard of him because of your sermon, your application for sabbatical. Yep, yeah. yep exactly. So I was researching um, religious history in the Netherlands because I had read a statistic somewhere about uh, the religious character in the Netherlands that there are more somethingists. The Dutch word is eatsist. There's more somethingists than there are theists in uh, in the Netherlands. I'm like, oh, man, but like you know, the canons of Dort and 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 the seed of the Dutch Reformation, like what happened? And so I was reading back and back. And, and anyway, I found this guy, Willibrord. He's called the Apostle to the Frisians because he's the guy who brought the gospel from Ireland to the Northern Germanic tribes in Frisia, what is now Northern Germany and the Netherlands. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So reading a little bit about his life, he was born in Northern England, Southern Scotland, or what is now that area, trained in Ireland, came to the Netherlands and Northern Germany as a missionary, um, like went toe to toe with uh, Viking kings, threw down pagan altars, like all this stuff, and eventually settled in Luxembourg where he ministered and then died. Okay. So uh, I thought, man, it'd be fascinating to follow his life journey. So we will spend on our sabbatical, the first uh, four or five weeks is in the UK where we'll be in the areas where Willibrord was, plus taking extra days to go up here or down there or over there to check out other religious sites of interest in the UK. And then then we make our way to Gravelines in France, where he landed, uh, him and 11 others when they went on their first missionary journey. And there's a church there dedicated to him. And then we'll head up into the Netherlands, where we've got an apartment for two months. And from there, we'll head out in different places to do different things. Mm-hmm. Um, hope, I'm hoping to do a, a retreat at the uh, Abbey of St. Benedict, uh, or sorry, the Abbey, uh, it's a Benedictine Abbey, the Abbey of St. Willibrord. Um, we are planning to go down to Luxembourg. Uh, to see the basilica there that's named after him and where his remains are interred and uh, beyond that kind of explore around different areas. Um, Scotland and Ireland is where Jenna's family's from. 
um, and the Netherlands and Germany is where my family's from. So we're going to explore that some. We're going to do fun little, uh, like Lily's paying for us to take uh, our daughter up to Legoland in Denmark, like Legoland Central. The Legoland. The Legoland. Legoland. Yeah. yeah. We told her last night about it. We've been keeping the secret for really? a year. We told well, her last she night. She is very excited. Of we watched course. a number of YouTube videos about uh, all the different rides at Legoland in Billund, Denmark. Awesome. So, you know, part of the, the goal of this whole sabbatical is to rest, it's to slow down, it's to relax, but it's also to do some thinking, trying to get ahead. Um, if the Netherlands is where the United States will be in 10 mm -hmm. or 15 years, then what can we learn from faithful, historically orthodox evangelical practitioners in the Netherlands? That's kind of my research goal. So hoping to yeah. connect with uh, different practitioners there and be able to ask some of those questions, make contacts, and just learn how does the church faithfully minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in a somethingist, you know, in a spiritual but not religious world? Yeah, great, awesome. So, and we leave Thanks. in 28 days, awesome, and Count three hours down. and one minute. Great, Thanks for giving us that lowdown. And if no that problem. was news to anybody, um, you can also learn more on our website, it's faithchurchindy.com slash sabbatical. That's right. We got some info and, there. Yeah, well, and we'll send out more info and like where to follow us for updates and stuff like that. Okay. Cool. As we get closer. Awesome. Well, let's transition to your sermon from mm -hmm. yesterday. So today is Monday. We're recording this. We have um, usually get the, you know, the sermon up on our website and up on Vimeo. And anyways, I have not even had time to listen to it because I did childcare yesterday. So uh, I saw you walk out just before I started talking. I wonder why. Yeah, it was very personal, actually. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh huh. No, I. You were already convicted. <laughs> yes. Catch me up. Tell me what okay. you preached yeah. about, please. And uh, I guess anyone else who's listening who has or has not heard it yet. Yeah, or if they just want the Cliff's Note version. Mm -hmm. uh, so, James two one through thirteen. It's about a, he's applying the previous passage. Be doers of the word, not just hearers only, to specific situations that he's seeing in the church and, or a, a pattern of situations really that um, as these newer churches are getting established and as upper class, richer, more honorable um, dignitaries, whatever, uh, higher class people are coming and sort of checking this out a little bit, there's this natural tendency to sort of cater to that crowd because it feels good when people who are of higher social status and you think what you're doing is worth something. So, mm -hmm. so these guys, these, these ushers, whoever is like saying to the richer people, like, Hey, we've got a seat up front, you know, center of attention for you. But then a poor person comes in right after them, which we should note, like the majority, the vast majority of the other church was made up by the economically disadvantaged, the, the, the poor. Mm -hmm. So when the normal person comes in they're like, uh, yeah, we have some seats left here, like on the, floor. You can, you can sit by my footstool if you want. And James is saying, okay, this kind of partiality, this only looking at the outward appearance of, of the other person is antithetical to the faith. It, you cannot hold together favoritism and faith at the same time. So mm -hmm. he's saying, don't do this. Then he gives some, some rhetorical, he asks some rhetorical questions to sort of give some point to this. Like, don't you know God is choosing the rich? Don't you know the rich are the ones who are oppressing you? They're the ones ridiculing you for your faith. Like, this doesn't even make sense. Uh, but then in verse 8 through 13, he, he flips and says, like, there is a better way to have undue relationships than this, um, you know, cost-benefit analysis approach. 
And he says, the, the best way is for mercy to rule your relationships. That was my big idea. Mercy rules your relationships. And, okay. uh, and he sets up this contrast between the old law, which said you had to be perfect, perfect obedience, perfect mercy. If you, want, if you expected mercy from God, you had to be perfectly merciful to others. And the law of liberty under Jesus, Jesus himself being perfectly merciful, fulfilling that law, living it out, reinterpreting it, and completing it on our behalf for us. So he's like, when you think, when, when you treat people like this, you, you are, are showing evidence that this message of what Jesus has done for you has not worked itself out in your life yet. Now, one of the ways we looked at kind of applying it is when James says, uh, show no partiality, it's a plural word, show no partialities, and he's giving one example of many. So we spent a little bit of time saying like, it, you know, wealth is not the only external marker that you can use as a way of prejudging people. Could be wealth, could be social status, it could be skin color, it could be the accent with which they talk, it could be their body size and shape, the abilities, their physical abilities, their, the way their brain works and their mental abilities. Um, there are all sorts of ways that we prejudge people. You know, whether it's in the, when you're at Target, right, and you're looking for a line and you're like, oh, if I get in that line, that person doesn't speak English as their first language. So I'm going to choose a different line. And I mean, that's just like one of however many examples uh, of ways that we, uh, we prejudge people. And so ultimately what we came down to in the sermon is if you're going to prejudge people, let mercy be your prejudging that um, mercy is the best kind of prejudice because it prejudges everyone as being valuable and worthy of love and care and special attention. So okay. I think that's what James was trying to get across to us in these, well, among about a hundred other things we didn't have time to talk about, but definitely that. Okay. Let mercy rule over your relationships. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Joey. Thank you for catching me up. And i still probably will end up going back and listening to the sermon because actually a few people had come up to me and they were like, I'm so sorry you had to miss that for childcare. It was so great. So I'll go back and listen. Um, but why don't you tell us what you had to cut out from Sunday, cut out of your sermon? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sermon development team, uh, as you named them last week was really helpful again this week, helping me think through, uh, what to include and what not to include. So I actually included some more stories that I hadn't planned to, but you know, one story I didn't, tell um, about prejudging because the, it's so natural. Um, and I talked about that a little bit in the sermon that we just automatically categorize people into like me or not like me. And mm -hmm. like me is safe and not like me is suspicious, right? A couple of years back when my wife and I were looking for um, a, a new house, you know, we were shopping and we hadn't yet found the house that we're living in now. Some friends of ours were selling their place and buying another one. And they said, hey, you should consider buying our house. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, how much money do you think we make? Like, he's a, he's a physician, like a really well-to-do well physician. And like, there's no way we can afford your house, right? Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, fast forward six months or something like that, I'm driving by their place and I see a person uh, who... It was a different ethnicity, not white. And I see this guy walking um, the trash can down to the curb. And, and literally what flashed into my mind was, how did he afford that house? Mm. Because if I can't afford it, then how would he afford it? He's 
different from me and therefore less than me. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was one of those moments where I'm glad it wasn't, it was, it came into my mind as a discrete thought and not just a vague feeling because I heard myself think it and was like, what is wrong with my heart? Mm. Um, like what is wrong or what, what's wrong with me that my first thought seeing this person was I'm better than him. So how did he get something better than me? Yeah. So like this, whole show no partialities thing is some of, I think it is some of the deepest and hardest work we will do as Christians in trying to overcome the sin nature within us that classifies and categorizes people. Um, So it is a work that requires an act of grace from God to, not grace to fix us, so that would be nice and, and happens for some, but grace to expose our own partiality or favoritism or discrimination is another way of translating it. Like the grace that sure. exposes is a, a refining and purifying and terrifying grace. But uh, without exposing things to the light, it's never healed. So yeah, that, yeah. So, I mean, that moment in my life, made me, of course, first question, like what's going on in my head, but then it sparked conversation with friends of mine who are not white, who, who could say, who could help me figure out what was going on in my head and where all this stuff was coming from and help me to figure out how to do what James is saying here of showing no partiality. Yeah. And so it's like two part process of just first exposing, realizing what are those things that are the prejudgments, but then doing the you have to untrain and relearn how to mm-hmm. think and how to react because it's not like you, Joey, were like, I'm going to set out and I want to be rude or I want to be judgmental. But it was like the fact that it was a gut thing. And yeah. I'm not just like, yep. I don't want to point it out as like, it's a you issue because we are all doing this. I am doing this, but it's our initial reaction. And so how do you change a initial reaction, but Mm -hmm. really relearn and retrain. And that is hard work to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, It was after that, that Jen and I were in on a, Jen and Anna and I were, uh, you know, two summers ago, the church sent us to visit our European missionaries and we were in Poland uh, visiting the hashes, shout out to the hashes. And uh, we, they were working. We had some free time. We took Anna on a walk. We found a park. We were playing this, um, little girl comes running up to her and says, do you speak English? I speak English too. And Jenna got to talking to her mother and they were obviously Middle Eastern and um, they get to talking and Jenna mentions where we're from. And the other woman says to her, oh my gosh, you live in America. Do you feel safe with all the guns there? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of one of those like, well, of course. I, I mean, and our thought, or at least my thought was like, this woman comes from, I think she was from Azerbaijan. I'm like, all I know about Azerbaijan is there's no way it's as good. Yeah, there's no way it's as good and as safe as the U.S. So why is Mm -hmm. she asking me this question? I should be asking her that question. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, another one of those moments where, okay, it highlights. I have prejudged somebody based on their country of origin. Right. That, oh, you must be like this. You must think like this. You must live like this. And it's like, oh, Lord, how many more of these are there going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, Joey, I just thanks for being vulnerable in the podcast and being willing to share some stories that aren't like shining and glowing examples, you know, but it's not that it's 
you're not alone. We, I am this way and we all are this way. And it's going to take someone like you doing this, exposing your own nature for us to probably realize our own nature. To hear mm. you speak it helps me process, oh, what does that look like in my own heart, in my own thoughts, my language? And unless I hear somebody do it, it's probably not something I also would also be aware of, you know, until you hear someone else process. So thank you for doing that for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard work. It's hard work. It's hard yeah. work. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If this conversation has blessed you in any way, we encourage you to consider sharing it with others. If you ever wish to submit questions to our pastors following their Sunday sermon, you can email your questions to podcast at faithliveitout.org, and we'll do our best to cover the question in the episode. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.